program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located in 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. And you are listening to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the cancelled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zenica. And we are covering Friday the 13th, episodes 11 and 12. Mr. Zenica has the episode synopsis for us for episode 11. Okay. Episode 11, The Sweetest Sting, originally aired January 16th, 1989. Mickey, Ryan, and Jack pursue an antique beehive containing vampire bees that suck the life out of their victims. Actually, that's a little incomplete, but, yeah. That was kind of funny, though, that, um, this is not something revealed until the middle of the episode, that they're vampire bees, and and even, like, even, uh, I think it's Ryan who's, like, vampire bees. (laughs) Is that what we're tasting this week? Vampire bees? I get, I want to know... You know, if, again, if we ever get Roby or John, uh, Chris unfortunately can't, God rest his soul, on the show with us, if they looked at the script and went, Vampire Bees? And was, I wonder if this is the moment John D. LeMay was like, I'm done with this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we mean that uh, with the best sincerity, because we've heard John will check out the podcast, so if he <laughs> likes to correct us, please, I'm making a joke. Don't mean anything by it. <laughs> But I have read that it, there was at some point he was feeling like it was time to leave the show. So maybe it was stuff like this. Because this is ridiculous, in my opinion. But it works. But i got to ask this right away. Who the fuck goes to an antique store to buy a beehive? Well, remember, this is not a a full beehive. This is a transporting case. Oh. So basically, the... the Part of the hive where you would take the queen and a portion of her workers to start a new hive somewhere else. Well, I got to point so out that the episode. You could buy. The episode is directed by David Winning, who we've talked about before, and David actually was one of the first guests I ever had on um, my radio show, Radio Horror, uh, back in oh, 2007. Really? 
I would say 2008. So I started the uh, po- I started Dr. Chris's Radio of Horror in October 2007. Um, I had a couple guests on for the remainder of the year, but most of my guests started getting bigger and bigger in 2008. And David was one of the first people I contacted because he did Friday the 13th the series. We we had a good laugh over the fact he also directed Turbo, a Power Ranger movie. Um, and uh, are you afraid? He also directed ten episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, but I think it's funny that he directed this episode because he also directed a Sci-Fi Channel movie uh, called Black Swarm. The widow deputy sheriff Jane Kozik moves from Manhattan to Blackstone, New York, with her daughter. There, she expects to find a safe place to live. The day after moving, a uh, hold on. Uh, the day after moving, a homeless man is found dead in the tool shed of Jane's blind friend Beverly Rowe. Devin Hall and the entomologist Catherine Randall are summoned to help with the investigation. Basically, it's a Killer Bee movie. Long story short. <laughs> this IMDb... Okay, I'm going to point out, this IMDb par- is a par- listing for this movie is a paragraph, so I just want to sum it up right there. Black Swarm is about Killer Bees. Um, attacking Killer Bees. And it's just funny that he directs this episode and directed that as well. Well, this is actually uh, his first directing um, act, uh, stint uh, for television. Oh, okay, that I didn't realize. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Yeah, he, he was 26 years old uh, uh, when he directed this, and uh, there is a quote in Elise Wax's book, uh, Curious Goods Behind the Scenes of Friday the 13th, the series, and a quote from uh, Mr. Winning is that, uh, quote, I stayed in the office having my show, making my little storyboard drawings all that first week to go to set. You know, I guess because it was his first directing. Yeah. Then on day one, I show up not knowing anyone. It was my career on Friday. Ever since then, I make friends early. It's incredibly important. It makes the set more comfortable and establishes the creative relationships as early as possible. So this is actually a pretty good episode uh, you know, I enjoyed it for being a first a directorial debut for television. Uh, nice. Maybe we'll have him on the show. Also, the episode stars uh, as McCabe, uh, who's our villain, Art uh, Art Hindle, who uh, was in Black Christmas, and a lot of stuff I've never seen before. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Oh, MVP. Um... VIP? No, MVP. Okay, I don't know what that is. I, I, for some reason, I was confusing it with uh, VIP, which was a Pamela Anderson uh, show. Uh, he was a Murder, She Wrote. He was a Walker, Texas Rangers. A MacGyver. Kind of a bit-part actor. He's got six things currently in post-production right now. He was in the original Porky's. Um, then we have, uh, who plays Fred, uh, David Palfi, uh, who was in Blade the Series, Stargate, Full Metal Jacket, and yes. Cold Case. Yeah, I noticed him immediately from Stargate. Uh, yeah, he plays play, Anubis. Yeah, that that was a uh, that was a big villain for Stargate, Anubis. Definitely, he definitely. killed. Uh, I, I think he was responsible for killing off Daniel Jackson for a season. Right. Well, I mean, I, I only watched Stargate SG One off and on. Oh, okay. But I immediately recognized this actor. And then we have uh, Timothy Weber, who uh, was on uh, Once Upon a Time, uh, still on it, I guess, if that show's even still on. I'm not even sure. Uh, but he was on The Exorcist uh, TV series. He played uh, Ted uh, Holmes- Holmstrom, who I believe... 
Um, this is the old man. Uh, yeah, I want to say this is the guy that fell in love with the priest on the show. But I have to rewatch it to be absolutely sure. We find out one of the two priests is either bisexual or gay. Um, he was also in War for the Planet of the Apes and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, he was also he in... He was also in one episode... Of Stargate. Of Stargate SG-1. Yep. Um, so his career goes back and back and back and back and back and back to the early ni- the, the, mid, the late 1970s. So um, he has a long career. Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, Murder, She Wrote, uh, Millennium, Millennium... Oh, not the Lance Henrik Show. 21 Jump Street, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Elva May Hoover who played um, Joanne, the wife, uh, who just wants her husband back. She was in Mama, uh, kind of a bit part actor. Um, Give a lot of credit that she was in Superman 2. She played Mother. Okay, this is not not Laurel, Superman's um, Kryptonian mother, and and not, obviously, Martha Kent, because it would be listed as Martha Kent. When it says yeah, mother, she... there's only like one scene in this movie I think that she played a mom in, and it's in a um, a town when the Kryptonian criminals show up and start like trashing the place. I think she's in that scene because I'm I've, I've seen the movie so many times. I'm trying to think when was there a mother in this in this movie that she would refer uh-huh. to as mother. So anyway, long story short, she was in Superman too, but uh, still acting as of today because the last credit was from 2018. Wonderful. And Rick Butler. Always good to see good actors. Yeah, and Rick Butler, the writer of the episode, didn't do anything other than the show. He did a couple documentaries, but he pretty much disappears after this episode came out. Ah, well. Yeah, so who knows. Um, So it it, it opens up with uh, a really confusing plot line involving the bee stuff, and I didn't understand what the hell was going on until we get to our... um, uh, you know, farm salesman. Yeah, yeah. I, it it was a little jarring at first because maybe you know, this you is why Rick Butler. Understand. Maybe this is why Rick Butler didn't write another episode of TV again. Oh, I'm just I, I don't know. I don't know. It, I'm it, sorry, it, but if your episode is this confusing in the very beginning, maybe you know, again, that's the reason why he decided not it, to write more TV. Does, it, it does take just a little bit of time before you fully understand really what's going on. You know. It's quick, but it's like you almost think that this one guy is trying to commit suicide by B. Yeah. Because he says, you know, just like, you're, you're going to make sure my my uh, family's taken care of, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, guy. And, you know, you only really say that if you're going to commit suicide or someone's helping you do so. So that was a little bit weird. And then he, you know, the bee's seeing him, and then he has a new face. You know, that- like, one other thing I want to one other thing I want to point out is that um, Purdy is the uh, old man who uh, who uh, uh, Mickey goes looking for the cursed object first, and she meets Purdy, right? The, the old man with the shotgun. Yeah. Okay. One thing I thought was really strange is you got motorcycles behind you again. <laughs> Are they gone? Hello? Now they're gone. Okay. Um, how, would, how old would you say the, this character is, or this actor? 
Purdy? Um, I would say probably about uh, 57 to 62. Okay. Incredibly old to start acting at that age, correct? Yes. Subtract two years. So. Subtract two years from his life of whatever age he is, and that's when he started acting. Really? According to IMDb, he only started acting in 1986. So unless he was a stage actor prior to this, so three years really, because this episode came out in 1989. Um, unless he was a stage actor or did a lot of commercial work or work that's just not credited on IMDb, mm-hmm. this guy really started incredibly late acting. And according to IMDb, is supposedly still alive today, but there's no way to confirm or deny that. Um, his credits, his last credit was two years ago after a break from 1990 to 2016. That's wow. a really weird gap, and it's some short film too. It's it's a it's a cooking short film. I wonder if he's just like a local actor kind of guy. You know what I mean? Wherever they happen to be filmed. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's doing a voice for it, so Mrs. Krantz makes great cookies, short film, Arthur Krantz is the voice. Yeah, it's just so weird. I don't know. So, anyway, I I just, I I had to point that out because I was curious about who that actor was. Um, But uh, it's always weird, like, the random sporadic stuff people do sometimes, and then between years, they're not doing almost anything. And then you have to really ask them, like, what have you been doing all these years? And it's like, I interviewed uh, Deborah <laughs> Voorhees, uh, who plays Tina in Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. And after Friday the 13th Part 5 came out, she pretty much quit acting and became a, a journalist. She went, to, she went to college, and then she, she became a journalist. Well, I mean, we go on to live diverse lives. So, you know, acting is only a small portion yeah, For I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Do you know who that is? Michael Rosenbaum. He played, All I'm thinking right now is political stuff. So uh, He played Lex Luthor on Smallville for seven years. Ah, he well, played I don't the, watch Smallville. He, <laughs> you, you should watch his performance. He, he, uh, Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor in Smallville was amazing and he also played Wally West the Flash on Justice League Animated for five years so by the way he played both characters at the same time (laughs) (laughs) both shows started within two months of each other (laughs) and obviously on one show he's going to be on every episode whereas another show you know he's on whatever episodes the Flash happened to be in but the Flash was kind of a main character on that show so he was in a lot of episodes we're getting a little off track, but I wanted to point that out, that uh, Michael Rosenbaum interviews a lot of actors that kind of, like, leave it for a long time and either don't go back or have only recently returned, like Tom Whaling, who played Clark Kent, pretty much left acting after Smallville to take a big break. And he only kind of recently returned because of uh, he's on Lucifer now. He plays uh, Cain, as in Cain and Abel. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he, he like he loves it. So, and he didn't want to do it at first, but his agent was like, "You, you, you might really want to do this role, you know." And uh, he asked for more episodes. They they wanted him to do a certain number of episodes, and he's like, "Can I do more episodes?" And they were like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> so you have Superman playing the guy who committed the first sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd okay. Be fun. So the bees okay. give immortality. 
which um, after Mickey goes in search of, Mr. Purdy pulls a rifle on her and a dog, a barking dog. We eventually find out Purdy is the brother of the villain. Of the body whom... The villain uh, is inhabiting, yes. Yes. Um, yes. Mickey calls Jack regarding the hive and its curse. Um... I really hate the asshole who steals um the old, the uh the the uh, salesman's pension. Yeah, yeah, and that happens more often nowadays as well. Like the pensions for people are just going away. Uh people are get, having hours cut so they don't have to pay the company doesn't have to pay benefits. It's like everything you can do to screw the worker. It's fucking a nightmare these days. And this is just a window into what's been going on for at least, you know, 30 years. And aren't we glad we have somebody who's taking care of the little guy and watching out oh, for the please. big businesses? Isn't that great? Oh, all right, all right. We're not going to get any further into that conversation, but I had to bring that up. You know, my, my partner and I said that if we were actually going to get, be legally married, that we would establish corporations... And then have a merger. I thought you were so getting that, legally married next year. No, we're getting spiritually married. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. A but lot of chanting doing, and. Huh? I said a lot of chanting on the phys- on the on the spiritual no, plane. No, no, no. Okay. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not that that new agey. Oh, ba ba ba. What are you talking about? Alrighty then. And wine and Alrighty and... then. Alrighty then. Do you remember that from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? He would be like, Alrighty then. Uh, Okay, alright. I had enough fun at your expense. Anyway. By the way, somebody left a comment. Somebody left a comment on our website. Thank God for Mr. Zedeka on this podcast. Otherwise, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, fuck you, whoever wrote that. Oh, sorry, it's not in the podcast, it's on iTunes, so it's like permanent for the rest of uh, the existence is on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. On, on our uh, website, I can take down comments I don't like, but on iTunes, it's forever. Yeah. <laughs> like James Gunn's well, tweets! <laughs> well, the whole concept is that if people can be, or sorry, if corporations can be people, you know, legally they are now, uh-huh. then people can be corporations. Oh, yeah, okay, I have heard that. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the concept between you know, my whole relationship. Anyway. Um, I also found, by the way, because you're doing this all very spiritually and, um, you know, um, very, you know, weirdly yeah. like, I, I found the perfect uh, wedding gift for you guys. Um, what? Doc Martens recently released glitter boots. Oh, you're going to love it. Pink and blue. I, d- I don't like pink. His and hers. Actually, they're more like purple, So, but still, you know, the blue's for guys. Because girls can't have blue. I, I do not like pink, so... All right, all right, all right. Uh, by the way, uh, so Jack needs to get a car. Who's mentioned but never seen? Rashid! I love it. He's still alive. Rashid's car. It is funny that Rashid is still seen but not heard. Maybe he's, um, Jack's got his body stashed so he doesn't have the heart to tell anybody. Rashid died! So I didn't have the heart to tell you guys. 
Uh, I love Rashid. He's he's my favorite off camera character. Um, Ryan and Mickey go to talk to Purdy. That doesn't work. So, okay, so Mickey goes to talk to Purdy. That doesn't work. Ryan and Mickey go to talk to Purdy. That doesn't work. Then Ryan, Mickey, and Jack at the end of the episode where we get the truth about who his brother is, they all go talk to him, and that works. Isn't that, did you notice that throughout the episode? Yeah. 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 I mean, they know that he has information. He's scared, and they think that just keep, Keep going back to him, wear him down, get that information. It works, but, uh, you know, it takes up a lot of the episode. Um, okay, so, I have a lot of bee info and magical bee stuff to talk about. Okay. Uh, but a little bit of, uh, groundwork I, here. I, I do, um, have to play one little clip really quick about, um... Okay bees and honey and i thought it was uh, very important as of the day we're recording this which is the 5th of august the day it's going to come out is august 17th um hold on uh do a bit of uh, oh no 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. Just got to make sure this sounds like the right one. Because we're discussing bees and honey, there's no honey. Christopher Robin, where's all the honey gone, Christopher Robin? Uh, Winnie the Pooh, uh, sorry, Christopher Robin came out in theaters this weekend, and I cried watching that movie with my son. I shed big baby bitching tears watching Christopher Robin. Why? My son's nursery was decorated in Winnie the Pooh, and I am named after Christopher Robin. So I thought it was appropriate to play the theme song to Winnie the Pooh since we're talking about honey and bees. And Pooh deals with honey and bees all the time. That's his main interest. Yeah, so I just thought I'd play that. Okay, so what 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 facts do we have about honey and bees? Okay, well, uh, in this episode, right off the off the get go, we see the uh, honeybees attack uh, uh, someone actually buying honey. In order to actually die by bee sting, uh, they say that on average it takes about 10 stings per pound of body weight uh, because of the venom uh, factor. So it would take more than 1,000 stings to kill an adult. It'll kill uh, 500 stings will kill a child, but uh, over a thousand stings will kill an adult. Jesus Christ. For this episode, for this episode, Elise says in her book that the uh, someone, either the bee wrangler or the stunt man, 
was stung 70 times because there was a little break in the costume and the bees got in. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And in the year 2000, 54 people actually died of bee sting-related uh, injuries. What's the most famous movie of all time with a bee sting uh, killing somebody? Do you know? Candyman! No. Actually, Candyman didn't really kill people with bees as much as it killed them with himself. My Girl. Uh, that's true. Oh, yes. Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin is killed by a bee at the end of the movie. Spoiler. Uh, for a movie that's almost 30 years old. Um, but yeah, over 25 years old. Macaulay Culkin has an allergy to bees. And uh, at the end of the movie, he's killed by a bee thing. Well, I have an allergy to honey. Really? But not to bees. That sucks. Yes. You can't have honey when you have tea. Uh, no, I'm actually allergic to... Like, it takes a large amount of honey to start the reaction like one tablespoon of raw honey oh well uh, you do know that there's honey in like everything and if the bees die because of this fungus that's killing them we're all screwed oh, right I know. yeah I, I know we we're, need bees major pollinators, we yeah. have bee we have a symbiotic relationship with bees and we need yeah. bees desperately because we use honey in so many things that you're not even aware of there's like a list there's like a, a list of the hundred items you commonly use on a they said weekly basis maybe not a daily basis but maybe a weekly to monthly basis that you need honey for and a lot of it is medical application stuff and we are not bees we have not been able to figure out how to harvest honey correctly like bees or pollen no Okay? Everyone's like, oh, we'll figure it out. We can do it. We have technology. Blah, 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 blah. No, it's, it's, there's, there's a reason why they're bees and we're human beings. We, we can't do it. They, they, yeah. there's a way they do it. We can't, re, we can't recreate. <laughs> well, that is true. But Walmart did put out a patent recently to, uh, that, that covers mechanical honeybees. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. I don't know what's going on with that uh, Skynet thing. So, uh, but anyway, one of the one of the reasons, or not one of the reasons, but one of the symptoms of this cursed object is that you know you can live forever as long as you eat a little bit of the honey every week that these bees make. Uh huh. Honey is one of the only eternal foods. There is. Uh, honey that you can pull out of, that have been pulled out of uh, ancient tombs, and it crystallizes, but it does not go bad. It does not uh, ever uh, have, like, fungus on it. Huh. As long as it's in a, a sealed container, there's no fungus growth. Uh, basically, it's one of those safe foods. If you are packing for your survival equipment, bunker resources... You definitely want to have honey because it will never go bad. So that whole idea that the honey brings kind of eternal life is something that is a property of honey. It's one of those magical properties as well. You use honey in um, magic to sweeten and a, a different topic or a spell. You use it to um, for fertility, for long life. Uh, you use it as a way to communicate to deity, and there's a lot of um, superstitions, you know, around bees because they are, you know, so entwined with our lives as a symbiotic relationship that uh, when someone dies, 
uh, it was told to the that the beekeeper should tell the bees that this person died so that the the bees would you know spread the news across the land that of this person's death and so then they believed that it prevented uh, hives from basically transporting themselves somewhere else uh, in, you know out of grief because someone close to them died Wow uh, but in ancient Egypt the bees uh, in ancient Egypt bees uh, were formed they say from the tears of Ra as they fell upon the desert land Tears of Ra formed bees, and those bees spread the sweetness of the ancient bounty that was Egyptian culture. Hmm. I'll do I'll do more bee facts later, but let's continue. Um. So they compare notes, and they discover that it's the hive. Um. The uh, uh, McCabe attacks Mickey and Ryan with the swarm. Um. Uh, according to Lise Wax, that scene actually kind of freaked her out as a girl from yeah. her book. Yeah. Um, Jack gets a hold of one of the bees and dissects it and finds blood within the bee. And that's when he makes his determination that they are vampire bees. Vampire bees. And not only do they drink blood, but they can also sting repeatedly. So yes. they're a little bit more like killer bees in that respect. Exactly. Kind of frightening when you think about it. Yeah. The the power of this curse is kind of weird because the bee stings someone. Say they sting person A and kills that person. Then person B gets stung on their hands or whatever, and then they change into person A. But person B has to get a corpse to replace a, you know, a corpse, which would be person C. So... Person C is dead in order to fill in the corpse body for the police report and whatnot for person B. It seems really complicated to just change a face. It's, it's honestly, I hated this episode's plotline. I just think it was just overly convoluted. You could have just had the bees suck the blood out of somebody and then maybe like have it transfer into somebody else, you know, like to the guy, McCabe. You know what I mean? It's just like... He, yeah, he, or he's... maybe just they like switch switch people yeah know? he just needs to keep making all these deals in the end everyone dies except for joanne <laughs> um joanne lives a happily ever after life and they stick the beehive back in the vault and it just it it was like i was looking at that thing going a beehive i'm thinking like a beehive like a beehive and it's like no this is the artificial kind and i'm like so two sheets of glass and a couple pieces of metal got cursed what well yeah you know Smaller things have been cursed. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had the chain last time. Oh, yep. the chain. Don't get me started. Um, and a flower that made a puppet come to life. Yeah. Um, I just was not happy with that whatsoever. It was just like, wow, that's the hive. Okay. Yeah. The bees attack McCabe, and he gets killed by him too. I don't know. It's just... And then, of course, Jack points out the bees just, you know, they're the, the hive is... You know, they're not in the hive anymore, so they just turned into regular killer bees and went away. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, there's no mention in this episode that the bees actually had a queen. Yeah. That's really how they function. So so Jack would have had to kill the queen, and if the queen was the one that really had the influence over the moving of the bees everywhere, 
then the bees would leave the hive, the queen's not there, and then try to find a new hive to join. He, Jack seems very assured that these bees will change back into normal bees once they're at the hive. But I, I don't know. Once you get a taste for blood, does it stay? I don't know. I, I, in my research, I, I did find a couple of instances where bees drank blood from, like, chickens or slaughtered animals. Uh, but it was really thought that the bees were drinking the excess water that was used along with the slaughtering of them. So they're cleaning up the blood, and then the bees kind of gather and they drink the water blood. I don't know. I think we're overthinking it too much, and this episode just wasn't that great. Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with the next episode of Friday the 13th series. Oh, for I forget, I never owned a beehive. Did you? No. Okay. I'm allergic to honey. What are you talking about? Well, maybe your parents did before you found out you were allergic to honey. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not like you yeah. can't come in. It's not like you can't be around honey like a peanut allergy, right? No, no. I, I can be totally around it. I can even eat it a little bit. But I, I'm actually allergic to the saliva. Okay, so you can't, bees. like, uh, there's no, uh, there's no kinky honey in your foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, okay. there's no honey in my house unless it's in a magical thing. Okay, gotcha. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Enter the enchanted world of a magical playhouse on Friday the 13th. Now they've entered our world. You're going to play by our rules. Here, anything you wish for will be yours. Except you got to be real nice to us, or else... And when the fun's over... This isn't funny, kid! This game has just begun. Terror plays for keeps on Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, it's your turn to play. Welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, where we are talking about Pee-wee's Playhouse. I mean, the Playhouse. <laughs> the Playhouse, originally aired January 28, 1989. Mickey, Ryan, and Jack travel to a small town where the disappearance of several children is linked to a mysterious toy playhouse. The music that you just heard before this was from Paul Rubin's famous 1980s television show, Pee-wee's Playhouse, the opening theme song. Which immediately, as soon, 
as soon as I thought about this, I immediately thought of that show. Hey, that show was canceled. We could cover that because it was canceled. <laughs> do you know why uh, it was canceled? <laughs> yes, I do actually know why it was canceled. And um, that, you know, he didn't get away with it in a movie theater of, you know, personal pleasure. Uh, made his way back to films eventually. It is funny that... Uh, he did a comeback, um, and he's playing Pee Wee Herman again. Like, I mean, God, he has a Netflix movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although he he said himself that it was he was getting a little bit old to play Pee Wee. At sixty, yeah. 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 But uh, <laughs> anyway, I digress. One more one more quick thing. So it's funny. That right after his incident happened, he was in Tim Burton's Batman Returns. He played the Penguin's father. Um, years later, he would actually play the Penguin's father again on Gotham for two episodes. That was very purposeful. Yeah, he played uh, the new Penguin, Robin, uh, Robin something or other, whatever the uh, yes, the the Penguin, the actor who plays uh, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin on Gotham's real name is Robin. Just pointing that out. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Paul Rubin played, uh, like, uh, uh, Oswald Cobblepot Sr. or whatever. Kathy, I mean, God, uh, Kathy Kane, is that her name? The, the, that really crazy actress from, uh, you know, uh, Young Frankenstein and such? She was in, uh, 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 she was, uh, Penguin's mother on Gotham. Oh, I didn't recognize her. Yeah, she was in the first two seasons before she got killed off. I never really watched the show, so it's I hit or miss. It. It's it's hit or miss, but it's guilty pleasure watching. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this abusive piece of shit mom who beats up her kids, yells at them a lot, and then basically never feeds them or closes the, close them or anything. Very abusive. Yeah. Uh, household relationship. Yeah, basically turning them into flowers in the attic. Um, don't go that far. <laughs> don't go that far. The uh, Mike and uh, Janine are the are the brother and sister. Um, and mom dresses like a hooker, but she's a waitress. <laughs> Why is yes, she a waitress wearing that outfit? <laughs> well, uh, the, the orange and white dress was the waitress outfit. Right. The what she wore out was just her going out. Okay, I thought she was wearing that to go out to work. And I was like, yeah, you're working the no, streets. No, no. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm going to put that out there every time I say a joke. Uh, Our young actors, though, have some pretty great cred. Oh, yeah. Who are the kids in this episode? What have they done before? Well, Lisa uh, Jacob. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Ah, uh, you got motorcycles. Uh, stop, was... stop, stop. You got motorcycles. Your microphone must be able to pick them up a mile away before you can hear them, because I can hear them before you can. Oh, okay. So, wow. Both of these kids are, like, got big crap to their name. Like, again, Lisa was in Independence Day, and George Lucas in Love, and Robert was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. That's... Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and he was on this episode of Friday the 13th, uh, but yeah, he was in the whole Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. Uh, yeah, he was Nick in the, the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. And then he disappeared from acting, and according to Lisa's book, has not been seen since. Uh, 
He's kind of disappeared. Oh. He left the game after Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid and never returned. Well, that sometimes happens with kid actors. They don't make the transition into adult actors. Yeah, I mean, according to her book, like, she tried to track him down, but he is just gone, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but we, we can see him Edward Scissorhands as well. Uh, Belinda, who's the mom, has been in various stuff over the years. Uh, Goosebumps, Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. She was, oh, she was Detective Jody Powell on that show. I was wondering. I was like, oh, yeah. And she was in four episodes of War of the Worlds. And this is the first episode of Friday the 13th that she'll be in. So, you know, she makes that transition between those two. Um, Wayne Best, who plays uh, Brad, uh, the, you know, piece of shit boyfriend who has the... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, who has the um, the Playhouse, uh, was in Short Circuit 2, and uh, Avengers United They Stand, the TV series, Scorpio, Jacob Fury, United They Stand. Uh, oh, okay. This is the first Avenger cartoon. There were like three Avengers cartoon series. There's this one. There was one uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes and then an Avengers cartoon that kind of tied into the movies like the real Ghostbusters did. So he played Scorpio, who's the son of Nick Fury in Avengers United They Stand. It only lasted one season. Oh, wow. Um, And he was in three episodes of Friday the 13th and the War of the Worlds. (laughs) And Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Uh, again, War of the Worlds. Just everyone is in War of it the Worlds. It keeps World. coming up. La Femme Nikita, another show that we've mentioned several times. Um, bit part actor, but again, I, I give it's pretty cool of all the different uh, stuff that he's been in over the years. So, um, all right, before we lose our uh, our internet connection one last time, let's tr- really get through this episode. Um, okay. Okay. Oh, I wanted to put out Brian Furlong. I was ho- I was wondering if he was edit- related to Eddie Furlong, but I couldn't find any information. So. Ah. Oh well. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to point something out. The, this playhouse gives these kids whatever they want, except for a bath, a shower, clean clothes. These kids are always dirty. Well, always dirty. They are. <laughs> <laughs> always. I don't think it's actually so much dirt as it's supposed to be bruising. I, I I don't it doesn't look like it looks like dirt not bruising they I mean it it looks like they're filthy their clothes are always torn and stuff. Well, that's true. It's like um, give these kids like a bath or something. Well, these kids need a lot more than just a bath. They need a good home. They need good meals. They need you know love. Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh, and uh, this. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Actually, the first episode that we have a Friday the where we don't have a body count. Yeah, no, oh. nobody really dies in this episode. We're um, this is gonna be a shorter review because we're having technical difficulties. But to uh, not to completely jump ahead, but everyone kind of lives in this episode. I mean, somebody goes to jail. All the children, basically, the, basically the house, the, the the kids are abducting children to be killed in their playhouse. Now, it's all very, very, very eerie, kind of like, ew, 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 thank God this is not adults doing this, because it's like, where are they going with this Playhouse plotline with these adults? Because you're, indu- you're inviting young children back to play in your Playhouse. Uh. 
But, I mean, there have been scenarios where children have been used to abduct other children for adult sick pleasure. Mm-hmm. This is what this kind of reminds me of, except for the playhouse isn't, like, molesting the children. It's eating them. So I guess that's okay. Yeah. I guess being eaten is better than being, you know, raped or molested. Yeah, and the playhouse actually has a stomach. It, the stomach growls. It turns them into, like, the the images of, like, Freddy Krueger. You know how, like, Freddy Krueger would, like, pull himself through the wall and stuff, all that stretchy stuff? Yeah, can, you can see the the face just kind of, like, the wall is is flexible and the face is coming at you and screaming and, oh, let us out! Let it kind of reminds me of the 2006 uh, Halloween... It's not a Halloween movie, but it's considered a Halloween like classic film that you'd see on TV. Maybe uh, Monster House, made uh, produced by Robert Zemeckis. Yes. 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 Okay. So in that movie, a house that uh, basically a big woman who died is built on top of uh, her ghost turned the house into a monster house and eats kids' toys. The end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where it now, doesn't eat kids. Toy it eats house the, the, kids. Yeah, it, this toy house eats kids, and these kids, these these, these brother, this brother and sister are leading them to it. And um, and apparently will eat adults too because it tries to eat uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky, uh, Mickey, and Ryan. Uh, well, they were allowed to the play space, you know, which is um, to give a little a little bit of background on this playhouse. The way that this cursed object works is that the kids go in and they invite other kids in. The house eats the other kid inside this dimension, this pocket dimension that is created by the tree, by the uh, playhouse. Yeah. So, so the uh, uh, pocket dimension gives the kids anything that they want as long as the kids keep feeding the, the playhouse. But it only wants children. It doesn't want adults. So yeah. at the end of the episode, you know, Mickey and Ryan are safe because the house doesn't want them. No, it wants children, which is kind of weird and sickly. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, this object passed hands several times, uh, and I don't think any of the adults knew the power of this cursed object. Also, it's the- only these two kids that found out this, you know, how it works. Notice the costumes the kids wear as well. They go from G.I. Joe to vampire and princess to cult worshipping. It's everywhere, man. With they're, the black... they're playing... Ra- uh, uh, they're playing uh, Burn the Witch. Basically. Basically, Burn the Witch. Black cloaks, burn them at the stake type of thing. They, uh... It is funny that the police investigated the house but didn't find anything... Wouldn't the house have swallowed the police up, too? Well, the police probably just opened the doors and looked, because it's fairly small. It's fairly big. I mean, even Ryan makes a crack of, like, how the hell are we going to get this thing out of here? We have to get a truck or something. And, of course, Brad goes and borrows a truck, and then, of course, knocks out Jack in one punch. And uh, then we, I mean, at the at the end, they thank God that the police have it in lockup, because, you know, it's like, where the hell would they put that thing in the basement, in the vault? Right? Yeah. There is no yeah. room for that house that big. That house is the size of those children. Yes, Mickey and Ryan tower bigger, over it. Bigger but... than the size of children, because I think with when he was trying to the uh, crummy ex boyfriend was trying to disassemble the playhouse to you know get it onto the truck, 
that house was a little bit taller than him. Oh, uh, I guess so. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So it's like where the, the hell the, the top you... of, the, of the steeples there that was actually taller than him. So it was at least, you know, six foot five tall and a, a footprint of maybe six by six, I think. So it's fairly large for being a, a, a playhouse, but fairly small if you're trying to get an adult through those doors. So all the interior shots that you see has to be done on some sort of soundstage because there's no way possible that two adult people could fit their bodies inside there and have a camera. It seems like the... Um, uh I don't know. Maybe I, I get the feeling that they, when they wrote the script for the episode, they might not have written in like the d dimensions of the house correctly for the whoever the uh, designer was going to be. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it, let's say you were really playing with that thing. I mean, would children actually crawl in there and uh, stand up in it to play in it? Oh yeah. Um, my my partner's niece has a playhouse. Uh, you know, those plastic houses, that type of thing. And shown on this episode. And she loves playing inside it, sitting in it, standing in it, climbing up it, stringing rope through the windows. Yeah. It's something the kids do. It, um... Until it swallows them whole. Say that again? Until it swallows them whole. Yeah, and then until it's what, and then it turns into this like trippy kind of um, Beetlejuice meets Pee Wee's Playhouse interior with all the weird stuff that happens inside it. All yeah, the, the pocket dimension is really kind of chaotic. Yeah, definitely. I wish they, they summon huge-looking uh, mascots and clowns, and suddenly they turn evil and. You know, the monster head pokes out of a chocolate layer cake. I mean, this is what kids would find scary. And uh, certainly freaks out Ryan and Mickey while they're tied up at the stake. Uh, or it, tied up on a huge chair. It seems like, um, what, what's the name of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tim Burton uh, would have directed the interior of this house. The scenes of the interior. Yes, because it has the checkerboard black-white squares. Well, no, I mean, not just that, just the way the whole thing, um, you know, looks and presents itself. It's very yeah, the, Tim Burton-ish. There's staircases that lead nowhere, banisters that just kind of end in dead space, uh, fireplaces that are not uh, level, just kind of skewed. Yeah, totally within, you know, Tim Burton or maybe uh, Tom Petty's... Um, that music video with the Alice in Wonderland theme. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Don't come around here no more. Exactly. Yeah. That's what that whole sequence really reminded me of. <clears throat> Another thing in this episode uh, is that uh, there's actually a recovered item that we don't even see. Yeah, uh, the one that Jack finds. Uh, there's a top hat. That was given voluntarily, and the top hat was vaulted. Oh, the, the and then top hat. Mention, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's mention of an Indian sacrificial knife, but that's not recovered. Okay, yeah, that's the one not recovered. Mickey gets the top hat. Gets the top hat, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Again, uh, uh, I think uh, for the episode involving the chain in the car, I would have rather had the top hat, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) But Jim Henson, Jim, sorry, Jim, uh, our our good friend, um, uh, Henshaw. Yeah, Henshaw, excuse me, I said Henson. Uh, Henshaw uh, did write that episode, but he did have other things in mind for it than the chain. I like his idea a little better. I'm wondering, though, if they changed that because of the... Uh, they've already done a coin episode, but uh, we'll, we'll have to mention ask them of that next time we come on. Because there's at least a few times that there's, like, double antiques used, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not one of them, but, uh, I mean, the compact will eventually return this season, too, so... Yeah. Ah, I never owned a playhouse, but I did have uh, a playset, like, you know, Castle Grayskull for my He-Man figures. Well, my brother definitely had the Castle Grayskull. He had all the He-Man stuff. But uh, I never had a playhouse or dollhouse. I wasn't really interested in that shit. Ah, well, uh, it's funny that I mentioned the He-Man thing, because uh, it's coming out on Netflix soon, but hopefully us Kickstarters will get our copy ahead of time. Uh, The... Power of Grayskull um, documentary about He-Man is coming. What the power of Grayskull? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, <laughs> internet lit up, you know, because of the images of the new She-Ra cartoon had been released. A lot of people yeah. were happy. Yeah. People were like, that's not for you. It's for these people. And it's like, okay, I'm so sick and tired of hearing that reason for being upset over the fact that She-Ra looks ridiculous and is badly drawn and looks like crap and... You know, my opinion just doesn't look like She-Ra. It looks like a weird Looney Tune character version of She-Ra, but that's a whole discussion for a whole other time. I wonder if we'll get into action figures. Like, there's, there's cursed action figures or toys or something, you know? We had, like, the cursed doll, but other than that, I can't remember if we had an episode that had any type of, like, cursed child's object besides the doll. Uh, I mean, there was the cradle, but that wasn't really uh, something a child would play with. Um, yeah. I mean, Uncle Lewis ran an antique store, so why would they, he have action figures there? I, I don't know. I mean, why would he have a, just a chain? I mean, just the, the random stupid shit that he has sometimes is ridiculous. Well, chains are everywhere, but, uh, yeah, I don't think you'd find He-Man in, you know, in the aisles of the Curious Goods store. Maybe no, no. I'm not expecting He-Man, but I'm. Ex- I, I just. I'm wondering if there'll be some type of toy besides a doll, though, that would show up. So anyway, um, so they, uh, they, the the police end up with the dollhouse at the very end, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So we have a positive, a net positive of twelve kids. Yeah, they live because at the very end, you know. Because the doll, ha- the the playhouse runs on hate, and so the kids had to say that they loved, yep. you know, all the kids and loved everyone, and then the house just spit out all the kids. Like, ugh, it's taints that they don't taste good anymore. No, they're too full of goodness and kindness. So, um, rather okay episode compared to the last one. Better than the beehive. So, uh, I, I, I. I I don't have a rating for it, but I definitely enjoyed it more than I did the Beehive episode. Okay. 
what? So in this episode, we've got twelve net positive uh, dead people, uh, but we have forty-four so far this season that have died. All claimed by Satan. <laughs> yes. Hail Satan! <laughs> Take your souls. Um, well, that's it for this episode of the Dead TV Podcast. A, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Please leave a rating on iTunes. Please leave a rating on Stitcher. Please leave a rating on Google Play. Uh, one of the other podcasts is apparently on something on something called FM America. It's a uh, it's I don't know what the website is and I don't remember signing up for it. But we have like 184 subscribers for the Supernatural Creatures oh. and Lore, but we're not on there. Uh, oh, Sunstone's no. not on there, and I know Lost Boys is not on there because I just put up Lost Boys on Monday. But uh, yeah, this weird random website I found Supernatural Creatures and Lore on has like 184 subscribers. I'm like, well, I should try and get the other two podcasts I, I do on that. But Stitcher's had really good uh, downloads lately, um, thanks to the repost by Jim. So that that's yeah, you been, mentioned that last week. Yeah, big uh, awesome. three three hundred uh, episodes downloaded. Sorry, 300 uh, times. Uh, 300 times in total, Dead TV Podcast was downloaded in the month of July. So that's really good. Um, so keep doing that. But please leave a rating on iTunes. It helps more people find us as iTunes will like move the podcast around. Otherwise, it kind of stays buried. Um, more people who download episodes from iTunes as well kind of help move it around. But you can also download it from our website if you don't like using Apple devices. I don't like using Apple devices unless I absolutely have to. I do use my iPod. So, um, thank you very much. Don't forget about our Patreon. You go there and make a donation, become a sustainer of the show, or if you happen to have a business you want us to promote, you can do it there. And check us out on Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast and on Twitter at Chris D S A V and at Elegantly Kinky on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in to the Dead TV Podcast, everybody. Thanks, everyone.